if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning to you. Eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we are rolling on this Tuesday, the 20th morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Just about the entire country right now anxiously awaiting the verdict of the trial of, of uh, excuse me, Derek Chauvin in the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The jury received the case yesterday after closing arguments, and now it is all about their deliberation. The question, of course, is whether or not they can deliberate um, without fear of their verdict setting America on fire. And that's the true nature of this story right now. Liberal Democrats have gone out of their way because of their belief in quote unquote social justice social justice excuse me because of their belief in systemic racism because of their belief that this country is inherently bigoted they have gone out of their way to taint the jury pool in as many different ways as possible into believing that if they come back with anything less than a guilty verdict on the highest charge possible which in this case is second degree murder First-degree murder is not on the table. Second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and manslaughter are all on the table. If they come back with anything less than second-degree murder, this nation will burn. Not just Minneapolis, but Minneapolis and Chicago and Los Angeles and San Francisco and Seattle and Portland and Oakland and Cleveland and up and down this country and all across this great land. This nation will burn if they don't come back with a verdict. How anyone could possibly consider what Derek Chauvin is getting right now a fair trial is beyond the scope of my comprehension. But I will say this. I do not support Derek Chauvin at all. I think he's an idiot. I think Derek Chauvin kneeling on somebody for nine minutes is stupid. It's, it's, it's reprehensible. It's unnecessary. The guy was in cuffs. I will never understand what he was thinking, what was going through his head, as he stared at people who were videotaping him, obviously thinking what he's doing is okay. He's being taped, and he didn't scramble off because he knows he's being watched. He knows he's doing something wrong. He felt like what he was doing was okay. It wasn't. It was stupid. But that doesn't mean he murdered him. That doesn't mean he even committed manslaughter. His ignorance and his idiocy 
do not make him a killer. The medical examiner's report showing that fentanyl, three times the lethal limit, not legal, lethal limit, three times the amount it takes to kill an ordinary man, was in the system of George Floyd when he couldn't breathe, couldn't breathe, couldn't breathe, even before he got down on the ground. Not to mention a significant amount of methamphetamine. The man was overdosing, along with hypertension and a bad heart. The man died because of all of that, at least according to the medical examiner, who said that if he had been found in his living room dead, it would absolutely have just been ruled a drug overdose. A knee on the neck didn't kill him. So I don't, I don't support Derek Chauvin here. I think Derek Chauvin is a pretty terrible cop, to be quite frank. Because you're stupid if you're going to kneel on the guy like that so cavalierly and so casually with people videotaping you, completely oblivious to the guy's uh, discomfort. I think he's a bad cop. That doesn't make him a killer. And yet, as the nation waits for a verdict, there is a jury in there that is going to be deathly afraid of saying anything other than guilty of the highest, strongest, most serious charge allowed. The jury wasn't sequestered. The jury wasn't cut off from television and newspaper coverage. The jury is allowed to watch all of this, the violence, the rioting, and, yes, the insane commentary of Maxine Waters, allowed to hear it all during the trial and now during their deliberations. How this can possibly be a just verdict, no matter what happens, I do not understand. That's our top story today, and we will get into the depth of it after we pause for our daily Pledge of Allegiance. Friends, put your hands on your heart, and if you're not driving right now, stand with me and join us. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Will there be justice for all in Minneapolis? I'm reminded, as I know a lot of people are, of the mood and of the atmosphere that this country felt and existed in in two different times in our history, both of them in the 1990s. I want you to think back, if you can, and remember the palpable fear in the air. Now, maybe not as palpable in Cleveland, Ohio, as it was in Los Angeles, California in 1992, but pretty doggone close all across the country as the nation awaited the Rodney King verdict. In the Rodney King verdict, of course, or in the Rodney King case, rather, of course, you had another man who was whacked out on drugs, who did some extraordinarily dangerous and destructive things, leading police on a high-speed chase, putting a whole lot of people in harm's way, and eventually, when stopped, um, well, was involved in one of the most highly controversial confrontations with police, maybe in, maybe in American history as several police officers attempted to bring him under control using their batons, using their fists, using their feet, and he just kind of kept getting up. 
And after a while, Rodney King was down, and some of the blows continued to rain down on him. And, of course, it led to the allegations of police brutality and racism and so on and so forth. And we know the drill from there. And then as the nation waited for the verdict in the trial of those officers who were on video uh, in that confrontation, you just knew it was a, it was like you know a powder keg just waiting for a match. And as soon as the first two verdicts uh, for the first two officers was read publicly and on television, not guilty, and then the second not guilty, you saw video cutaways to people standing in massive crowds outside that courthouse and in other places as well, and just jaws dropping and eyes bugging out and rage starting to build. And then somebody flipped this, the, you know, or struck the match and poof, the powder keg exploded and it led to some of the most extraordinary violence and rioting and looting we have seen well probably since the watts riots of the 60s probably the worst we have seen until the summer of 2020 after george floyd which is why which is why this you know kind of makes this a an apt comparison but this nation suffered a great deal after that. A lot of very innocent people suffered a great deal after that. Reginald Denny comes to mind, the white trucker who was moving through one of the uh, worst and most violent areas of the rioting, who did nothing wrong except be white when his truck was stopped by the rioters and he was dragged out of it and beaten to within an inch, an inch of his life, beaten into permanent brain damage, brain damage, excuse me, Smashed in the head with a cement cinder block. He was he was just he was just white at a time when it wasn't okay to be white. That's the first of the two points in in recent American history that this moment of anticipation and trepidation and fear that we are in right now over the verdict of the Chauvin trial. The second was, of course, just three years after the Rodney King verdict, and that was the trial of O.J. Simpson. Now, this was a very different type of outcome because of an almost impossible verdict. In fact, I dare I say it was an impossible verdict, but they reached it anyway. The racial tension was just as high, except in this case, it wasn't African-Americans in largely urban communities demanding a guilty verdict the way they did in the Rodney King trial or the officers in the Rodney King situation and here in the Chauvin situation, but instead it was the other way around. The African-American community at large, not everyone, of course, you can't speak to a man, but at large wanted an acquittal of O.J. Simpson, largely as payback for the acquittal of the officers in the Rodney King case. And sure enough, when that jury came back, I was teaching at the time in a diverse, semi-urban school, and we all, all of the teachers in every classroom, had their television sets on that day. And when they said O.J. Simpson was not guilty, the African-American students in my room and in every other room that I heard exploded with cheers, jumping up and down. Yes. 
Justice didn't matter. We got payback, was the feeling. And countless books have been written about that verdict since that time. Articles, op-eds, speeches about how important it was for the black uh, America or African-American community, the black community, to feel like they got payback for the Rodney King situation because O.J. Simpson was allowed to butcher two white people to death and get away with it. I fear if O.J. Simpson would have been convicted at that time, Rodney King 2.0 would have happened. And now let's fast forward to the present moment. We're waiting now for a jury verdict. They are in deliberations in Minneapolis. Crowds are gathering and have gathered already outside that courthouse. Crowds are gathering and readying themselves in urban communities all across this country right now. And because of coordination and collaboration by way of social media, which did not exist in the Rodney King case in 1992, and the Internet, which was really just kind of getting started even in 1995, because of social media and the ability to communicate and plan and coordinate and collaborate, I fear that this powder keg will be on steroids if a match is struck. And the striking of the match would be that jury coming back with a not guilty verdict on murder, not guilty murder two, not guilty verdict on murder three, and anything less than a guilty verdict on manslaughter. Even if there is a guilty verdict on manslaughter, it won't be enough. And that powder keg will ignite. And this country is going to burn anew. And perhaps, as I said, because of social media, worse than it did in Rodney King. Because Rodney King's was limited to a few places. This will be in urban centers nationwide. How do we know? Because simply the existence of the video of Chauvin with his knee on the neck of George Floyd last year led to violence in cities nationwide, including Cleveland. So this is an extraordinary time already rife with the potential for violence, for looting, for arson, for random beatings, for stopping of traffic and dragging people out. It is ready. This, this, this moment is made for such atrocities. And what do we have from our governmental leadership during this extraordinary moment, this dangerous period of time, this build-up, the gathering, the assembly of bricks and Molotov cocktails and frozen water bottles and urine, urine bombs and blood bombs and industrial-strength fire, uh, uh, fire, fireworks and eye-damaging laser pointers and all of the other things that are going to be used to attack cops bystanders, cars, businesses, as all of this is being assembled in cities all across this country, what are our leaders doing? Are they calling for calm? Are they calling for no rioting? Are they calling for peace? No. No, they're not. They're leaving their home states like Maxine Waters did. And going to the scene of this extraordinary, dangerous place, going to the scene in this extraordinary, dangerous time, and calling for more confrontation. In other words, more 
of the violence and the arson and the smashing and the grabbing and the assaulting and the looting that we have already seen. More of that. And somehow these people are being defended at the highest levels of government. We have to we have to stop this. And moreover, we have to pray. We have to pray that our country can survive, not just the rioting and the violence, but that our country can also survive the complete abrogation of responsibilities and duties of those who are supposed to make sure that everybody who is accused of everything in America get a fair trial with a fair and impartial jury listening only to the facts of a case and not being influenced by the intimidating tactics of mobs led by federal governmentally elected leaders. That's the tipping point that our country is at right now. 216-901-0945, We'd love to hear from you. We're guest-free until Curse now at 1010 this morning, so this is the right time for you to dial. We'll put you on the radio on The Authority. I'm in heaven. I've got scars. We're looking for a guilty verdict, and we're looking to see if all of the fault that took place and has been taking place after they saw what happened to George Floyd, if nothing does not happen, then we know uh, that we've got to not only stay in the street, but we've got to fight for justice. But I am very hopeful, and I hope uh, that we're going to get a verdict that is say guilty, guilty, guilty. And if we don't, we got, we cannot go away. And not just manslaughter, right? I mean... Oh, no, not manslaughter. No, no, no. This is, this is guilty for murder. I don't know whether it's in the first degree, but as far as I'm concerned, it's first degree it's what happens if we do not get, get what you just told? What should the people do? What should protesters on the street do? I didn't hear you. What happens? What should protesters do? Well, we, we got to stay on the street. Uh, and we've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they, they know that we mean business. We've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational to let them know we mean business. We've got to stay on the streets. This, my friends, is the textbook definition of incitement to violence. This is what Maxine Waters and Nancy Pelosi voted to impeach Donald Trump over. They voted to impeach him over incitement to violence for telling people to peacefully and patriotically make their voices heard. Maxine Waters is telling people to stay in the streets and be more confrontational. One has to ask himself or themselves, what does that mean, stay in the streets? What is going on in the streets right now? Well, if there were peaceful protests going on right now when people were simply marching and carrying signs and chanting and peacefully and patriotically making their voices heard, then one probably wouldn't have a problem with someone saying, let's stay in the streets. But let's go to the videotape. Even though this is radio, 
Let's take a look at the images of what's going on in Minneapolis and St. Paul and in Brooklyn Center and other places. What's going on? It isn't peaceful protesting. It's rioting in the streets. It's burning and looting and smashing and assaulting in the streets. So for Maxine Waters, an elected official, a member of Congress, a highly powerful and influential member of Congress, to say we have to stay in the streets, she is saying what? We have to keep rioting. Stay in the streets where we are rioting now and continue rioting. And, in fact, step your game up. Get more confrontational if we don't get a guilty verdict. Even though not one of those mental midgets out there smashing and burning and assaulting and attacking have watched the trial. Not one of them has watched the trial, seen evidence presented, listened to testimony, listened to cross-examination, heard the closing arguments. They want a guilty verdict because they saw nine minutes of a knee on a neck. That's all it took. And if they don't get a guilty verdict on murder in some form, they're going to turn the United States into the Rodney King riots on steroids. And elected officials shall lead them. We're going to get news now, then we're going to come back. We'll talk about this together at 216-901-0945 on AM 1420, The Answer. Bob France, here on AM 1420, The Answer. we continue on AM 1420, The Answer, and yes, the pressure is rising. The question is, is when does it blow? When does it explode? Congresswoman Waters' comments did make their way to the courtroom with Derek Chauvin's lawyers using them to call for a mistrial. Waters' comments have sparked fury among Republicans who have called for her to be censored or even impeached. She dismissed the blowback, saying she wouldn't, quote, be bullied by the GOP. But Kevin McCarthy says some Democrats might support a censor. This has gone on too far and for too long. It's time to, to say what is right and what is wrong and everybody knows her action was wrong. Waters has since doubled down telling reporters the whole civil rights movement is confrontation. I, I don't know if Maxine Waters, uh, Maxine Waters suffers more from stupidity or hypocrisy. It's, it's probably a coin toss at this point. For, but for her to think and for her to suggest that the civil rights movement was about committing violent acts and destroying in the name of 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 non-discrimination is it's just ridiculous on its face i heard leo terrell talking about this this morning he said dr martin luther king didn't instruct people to go and burn and loot and destroy things in order to get their rights or civil rights to be enacted for them he instructed people to remain peaceful and let your voices be heard lift your voices but do not commit these violent acts that are only going to cause more of a, of a divide between us. And for her to say, well, the civil rights, uh, all the civil rights movement was about confrontation. Not this kind of confrontation. And the other thing, what does the Civil Rights Act do? The Civil Rights Act made illegal the discrimination against people based on their race, their creed, their sex, etc., their ethnicity. No one shall be discriminated against. What does that have to do with the George Floyd situation? 
Has any evidence at all been been introduced to suggest that George Floyd was discriminated against based on his sex or his race or his ethnicity or his religion? Not one single scrap. There is no evidence whatsoever that George Floyd was targeted for any reason. George Floyd, in fact, was handled with kid gloves for about 25 minutes during that arrest. Every time he was uncomfortable, he didn't want to get in the back seat, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. They made accommodations for him until eventually they said, all right, we're going to have to keep him outside if he won't go in the back of the car. So they put him down on the ground. While they waited for the ambulance or the whatever vehicle was coming to transport him, since he didn't want to get, he couldn't breathe in the back, and that's when the terrible scene of uh, uh, um, sequence of events took place. Derek Chauvin, like I said, being an idiot, in no way, shape, or form was there evidence introduced that he was being racist. So for her to call this, you know, uh, akin to the civil rights movement, is ridiculous. There is no evidence that anyone's. Anyone was targeted for discrimination here based on their race or based on their uh, uh, ethnicity or anything else. And perhaps that's why Judge Peter Cahill, who's overseeing this case, who, in my opinion, has committed a grievous error by not sequestering that jury so they can't see and hear the likes of Maxine Waters and can't see and hear the threats to the community, that if they don't get the verdict that they want, that the community will burn again Judge Cahill said this. She would stop talking about this case, especially in a manner that is disrespectful to the rule of law. I wish they would stop talking about it as well, but there's more. I'll give you that Congresswoman Waters may have given you something on appeal that may result in this whole trial being overturned. Oh, hold on a second. Did you hear that? The judge in the case against Derek Chauvin told the defense attorney, Eric Nelson, that Maxine Waters may have given you a legitimate chance to overturn this case, meaning if he is convicted, if he is convicted and you file an appeal, you might have your grounds for an appeal. The fact that Maxine Waters, an elected member of Congress, is leading a threat to intimidate the jury into finding uh, Chauvin guilty to avoid a national calamity, a national riot, on the level of which, again, we have maybe not seen since 1992 and Rodney King, that maybe you have grounds for an appeal now over this. It is, it is just remarkable. House Republicans know that this this needs to be addressed. House Republicans yesterday called for Maxine Waters to be censured. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy says he will introduce a measure to censure California Democrat Maxine Waters for calling on protesters in Minneapolis to, quote, get more confrontational when it comes to demonstrating against police brutality. Censure is the most severe rebuke the House can offer. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has said she doesn't feel that Waters, chairwoman of the powerful House Financial Services Committee, should apologize for her comments. But some Democrats have signaled they could support censuring Waters. With Democrats holding a slim majority in the House, McCarthy would only need to sway two Democrats. So censuring Maxine Waters would be an extraordinarily strong statement. Can We rely on two, just two, just two House Democrats to stand up for peace, to stand up for the rule of law, to stand up for 
the separation of powers. That's the other thing Judge Cahill pointed out. What Maxine Waters did here violates the separation of power. She's a member of the legislature, and she is attempting to influence and indeed change potentially the outcome of a trial in the judicial branch. It is a violation of the separation of powers. And rioting, which she is calling for more of, let's let's increase our level of confrontation. She said more confrontation. Stay in the streets and do what we're doing which is rioting, that's exactly what many states are looking to avoid going forward. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis yesterday took a huge, huge step here, increasing law enforcement's power to crack down on rioters and looters aggressively. Polk County uh, Sheriff, Polk County, Florida, Sheriff Grady Judd criticized government officials who don't support this effort because it matters that much to protect the public. We've got the back of the community. But if the government officials don't have our back, yep. then it's impossible to keep the community safe. And that's what we've seen throughout the nation. The government officials are saying, stand down. We have prosecutors saying, we won't prosecute. Well, what do they think's going to happen when you give the rioter permission to riot? And not just permission to riot, but in Maxine Waters' case, instructions to continue and escalate their rioting. We love the people of the state of Florida. We get it right here because we've got great leadership. What you've seen is leadership to keep the people safe in our state. They do have great leadership. I've said it before. I've got Governor Envy. I do. They've got uh, Ron DeSantis. We've got Mike DeWine. Uh, I've got severe government uh, Governor Envy. Protests are fine. Peaceful protests are all right. But rioting, looting, burning mom and pop out, ruining their lives, that's not acceptable. So this is all about keeping the 20-plus million people that live in Florida safe, as well as the millions of people that visit with us every year. I would just simply like to compare the leadership of some government officials to others, and specifically the, you know, the likes of Ron DeSantis you know, enacting measures uh, to protect the public and to crack down on lawbreakers, not peaceful protesters, but the rioters, compared to Maxine Waters, who is encouraging the rioters to riot, and more. Uh, let's go to uh, John, who's calling us from Chardon on AM 1420, The Answer First. Hey, John, go right ahead, sir. Hey, morning, Bob. To add on to your comments about the Rodney King incident, Rodney King himself uh, called for to quit the rioting, uh, he said, "Can't we all get a, get along?" And to to his credit, so I thought I'd just add that. On. Well, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, and but you know what? That's uh, that's not going to happen here. That is not going to happen here at all. Uh, none of the none of the individuals who are speaking on behalf of George Floyd are going to come out here and say, "Stop the rioting! Can we all just get along?" Etc. There, there is a movement here that is bigger than just the George Floyd cases. You know what? What? And thank you for the call. I'm glad you brought it up, John. Um, what makes this different? I, I kind of laid out in my monologue to start the show the similarities between the the time the atmosphere, the mood of the country, and the anticipation of the Rodney King verdict to this one. But now we'll talk about the differences. The differences are so much more political now than they were even then in 1992. 
what happened on uh, uh, in May of last year, on Memorial Day of last year with George Floyd, has led to a nationwide assault, a nationwide assault on white America, a nationwide assault on the founding of America. Allegations of systemic racism, allegations of, of I mean, it, what it is, it's political propaganda on steroids. There has been an attack, unlike anything we have ever seen, and they are trying to use that attack to change this country, country fundamentally, to never allow it to recover. This is a political movement that, again, is far, far, it far exceeds that which we saw in 1992. Democrats are using the death of George Floyd to change everything the way the way everything is done in this country. If George Floyd hadn't died, um, we wouldn't have countless numbers of products changing their names and revoked and pulled from shelves. If George Floyd hadn't died, the Cleveland Indians would remain the Cleveland Indians. If George Floyd hadn't died, the Washington Redskins would still be the Washington Redskins. If George Floyd hadn't died, your kids wouldn't be taught and force-fed critical race theory in their schools to prove that all little white kids are dangerous racists and bigots and all little black kids are perpetual victims who are never going to overcome the lot in life that the white people, through systemic racism, have forced upon them. This is a much bigger movement. Ain't no way, if you'll excuse my colloquial language, there is no way that anybody is going to be coming out from the Floyd uh, contingent saying, can't we all just get along? It's not going to happen. Uh, TJ in Cleveland next. Hey, TJ, go ahead. Yeah, hello, Bob. You know, these Democrats fixed an electoral system. Now they try to fix the court systems. You know, on the west side here in the last few weeks, there has been a huge uh, carjacking uh, thing going on. And, you know, this is all part of this equity movement. If you're approached, don't resist. Hand your stuff over and hope you don't get pistol whipped or shot in the process. And... Pray to God the police don't catch these punks, because if they have to uh, shoot one of them, now we got riots in Cleveland. And if you ask the left, how do you handle these crime sprees, they'll come back with two things. You defund the police and disarm the law-abiding citizens. Bob, this, this country's in real trouble. And I'm telling you, they're kicking the bear, and they're starting to kick the bear too hard. And it's real soon the bear is going to start kicking back this can't continue you know this lawlessness but in what way though tj in what way will the bear kick back because what you said at the beginning of your call is is probably more important than the rest of your call they're they're they fixed the election system they did it in 2020 obviously and now their goal is to make sure that we never win another election again and and there's a host of ways of course between you know trying to uh uh, trying to uh, uh, codify fraud with this HR1 to change the way the entire country votes uh, with their attempt to create another state, uh, which would give you two more, actually two more states, would give you four more liberal Democrat senators so we could never win another battle in the Senate. I mean, they're, they're doing things right now to make sure that the, I've said this the other day, that the pendulum never swings back the other way again. Well, you know, to me, the only, the only hope we have that I see is the states take control. You know, where in Ohio, like uh, you were talking about yesterday, they're making it a uh, Second Amendment sanctuary state. Yeah. The states have to start fighting back against this. Uh, and I think you're going to see states like Texas, uh, Florida, a lot of southern states, hopefully Ohio, you know, will tell this commie group there in, you know, in Washington, we're just not 
we're not listening to this crap. We're I don't disagree at all, TJ. The only thing is they can't do it alone on each of their own levels. Um, they need to coordinate and collaborate. We, what we need, and we've talked about this before, and we're going to have to talk about it again, is a convention of the states. A convention yeah. of the states to truly amend the Constitution, to right the wrongs that are currently being done, and to defend the republic that was handed to us. Uh, because it is being destroyed right now. It is literally being fed through a paper shredder. And uh, the only way we can do anything about it is to have a convention of the states, which we're going to have to talk about. I've talked to some of the proponents and the leaders uh, who are trying to advance this in Washington, D.C., and then in several states, and we're going to have to have them back on again. Because you're right, it is going to be the states, but not individually. They're going to have to pool their efforts together. Thanks, TJ. Appreciate the phone call. It's 952. More of your calls right after this. So let's uh, dig just a little bit deeper into the history of Maxine Waters, who is calling for more violence on the streets, calling for more rioting. We need to keep in the streets, stay in the streets, and ramp up our confrontation level against the police. Um, This isn't new. This is not a new development. Remember I started the show talking about the comparison of the mood in the country right now to the mood right before the Rodney King uh, incident, the verdicts of the police officers in the Rodney King incident that led to the riots? This is Maxine Waters from that time in 1992. Sorry about that. Hold on a second. That's not going to work. You're going to have to hear it. In order to do that, we're going to have to move that there. Okay, here we go. As I stand here, nine people are dead. My last count last this morning before I tried to get some sleep was over 50-something fires raging all over Los Angeles. The fire started in my district, and one of the largest was right around the corner from my house. Uh, there are scores of injuries and still anger and frustration and people who plan on staying on the streets and expressing their outrage and anger in any way they deem necessary. There are those who would like for me and others and all of us to tell people to go inside, to be peaceful, that they have to accept the verdict. I accept the responsibility of asking people not to endanger their lives. I am not asking people not to be angry. I am angry, and I have a right to that anger, and the people out there have a right to that anger. We don't want anybody killed. None of us believe in violence. But there are some angry people in America, and young black males in my district are feeling at this moment, if they could not get a conviction with the Rodney King video available to the jurors, that there can be no justice in America. So that was a woman who is trying to tell you that she is against violence. Telling the people who were rioting, you have a right to that anger. No, we don't want anybody to be killed. But she said, people are asking me to tell people to come in off the streets, and I won't do it. This is 1992, Maxine Waters. I won't do it because I'm angry too and I have a right to that anger and the people have a right to that anger. Fast forward to 2021 and she's in the streets telling people, stay in the streets and be more confrontational. She is pro-riot. It's in her resume. 
Her career has been about being pro-violent exercise of, of opinion. Not peaceful protesting and peaceful exercise of opinion, but violent exercise of opinion. Especially if you feel like you have righteousness on your side. And of course, when you're Maxine Waters and your entire life is seen through the prism of race, you always have righteousness on your side. That's what makes people like her so dangerous. She feels as though she is righteous. And as such, she can indeed call for a continuation and an escalation of rioting. I've got so much more on this, and I know you're on hold. Stay there. I'll come to you as soon as I can, but I will advise you. It's Tuesday, and that means it's cursing our day. He'll join us next.